Hello, and welcome to another episode of Inside the Yale Admissions Office. My name is Mark, and I'm a Yale Admissions Officer. And I'm Hannah. I'm also a Yale Admissions Officer. And today we are joined by Reed. Thank you so much for having me, even though we're still not in my office. (laughs) And yet you're here. And yet I'm here. It's finally going to happen. One of these days, the stars are going to align. We're going to actually have Reed on the podcast in Reed's office. Right. But not today. I'm easy to find. (laughs) Today we are talking about extracurricular activities, which means all the stuff that a student does outside of their courses in school. And that is a mouthful extracurricular activities. Yeah, we can't say that. No, we're going to just times. try to keep ourselves just saying activities. <laughs> know that we, when we say activities, we're talking about, you know, athletics, uh, performing arts, jobs you might hold outside of school, volunteer work. It all counts. This episode has been on our list for a while. We've held off, though, because of the pandemic. Um, so we are recording this. It's summer of 2021, and things are looking pretty good for high schools this fall. But we should say there's still plenty of uncertainty. We should also start by recognizing that even if you're listening to this years from now, we would bet that your activities outside of school have been affected maybe pretty dramatically by the pandemic. Yeah. And um, if your activities outside of high school have been affected by the pandemic, as they probably have, it probably felt like a really big deal, Mm -hmm. you know, especially if you've not been able to do something that you really enjoy. Yeah, so we know this has been especially tough for students on this dimension. It's not, however, something that you should lose sleep over when it comes to your college admissions process. And before we get into any specifics in the episode today, let's try to calm some anxieties about the role that your activities play in the selection process. It's often presented as this like crazy competition or arms race to just do more, do the most, overextend yourself, join a million clubs, be the best at everything, win trophies, um, because that is going to be how you get into college. Mm -hmm. But that's not actually really true. Right. When this anxiety takes hold, people start stressing about these things before high school even starts. Um, We have heard about parents who will turn their families' lives upside down, and they might even throw money at people who claim to tell them what a student should do. So we want to try to keep things very simple and clear. You don't need to do anything like that. Um, Making yourself miserable, overextending yourself, spending your time doing things that you as an applicant don't care about it's not going to help you get into college. In fact, as we'll explain in this episode, approaching things with that kind of attitude will probably hurt your chances more than help your chances. Mm -hmm. Right. So I have a little mantra that I've came up with that uh, I think we'll come back to throughout the episode. Um, I'm sort of stealing the style of advice from a food writer named Michael Pollan. And and I would bet I've actually, I haven't read any of his books. (laughs) I can't say I know much about him. But I do know that he's got this great piece of advice, which is just so simple and clear that it's easy to remember. So when he writes about food and sort of how you should approach food, this is his advice. He says you should eat food, not too much, mostly plants. Like that's, mm. that's pithy. That's easy to remember. Yeah. So I, I sort of adapted that for this episode. Uh, here's my advice for how you should think about your activities in high school. You should be active at the right level for you doing what you like. That's the simple advice. Yeah. We're going to go mm-hmm. into depth about a lot of this, but keep coming back to those things. Be active, you know, do things, be active, <laughs> yes. How many things, how much? Well, at the right level for you that makes sense. What should you be doing? The things that you like. Right. Be active at the right level for you, doing what you like. Right. 
whether or not the plants are the things you like in your diet. <laughs> I do yeah. think that it is, it is great advice for what you're doing outside of the classroom. Yeah. I, I know plants might not be number one for me personally. Right. All right. You're welcome, Michael Pollan, for the free advertising. Okay. But let's talk a little bit about how we actually review these activities lists on the application. No matter what application platform you use, there will be space to share your activities. The amount of text you can write is pretty limited. And, you know, let's just say that is a feature of, of how this is designed, not a bug. Mm -hmm. um, so just keep that in mind. Yeah, this is going to force you to be intentional about what you include here. And we also want to encourage you to think about what you want to highlight. What do you want to put at the top of that list? This space in the application, sort of in the lingo, is called uh, the brag. Um, mm -hmm. That's appropriate because you can't avoid bragging about yourself. Sure, mm -hmm. yeah. Um, but I do want you to think about this space as being pretty utilitarian. Um, you want to make clear exactly what it is that you've done. And this is sort of unlike the essays. There's just not a lot of space here for shading things, qualifying things. Um, I think you should think of this quote. Apparently, it's apocryphal. I was looking it up. It's from, from this from Dragnet uh -huh. in the 50s. Um, and the line there is, you know, just the facts, ma'am. <laughs> yeah. So you want to approach this part of the application like just the facts. Um, this is actually one of the first things that we see when we read an application. And it's really helpful to lay a foundation for the read to understand where a student's presence is felt. Mm -hmm. um, and it's one of the first things we share when we read a work card to the committee. You've heard about our, our committee process in, in prior episodes. Um, and our read and presentation of these things is pretty cut and dry. Yeah. We say what you do, sort of maybe the level of commitment and what kind of impact you've had. And we use a rating system. It is sort of a shorthand though. Um, I want to make clear this is designed to help us communicate with other members of the admissions committee. It is not being fed into some sort of rubric somewhere. Right. And we do not have a formula that's going to award a certain number of points for being a varsity athlete or being the lead in the school musical mm -hmm. or something like that. Um, it is a nine point scale, but the overwhelming majority of applicants, including admitted students, they cluster right in the middle. We're using it to communicate quickly to the members of the committee when they're looking at our printed slate. Um, so, you know, we talked about this in an earlier episode about committee. We can sort of look down a sheet of paper at a, a, a series of applicants and get a sense of where the strengths lie in a particular application. It's, like I said, a little bit like reading the matrix. And this can <laughs> be one of those things where if we're about to talk about an applicant and I see a really high value on this extracurricular rating, I know, oh, the student has really distinguished themselves there. But that is not the case for a lot of applicants, including mm -hmm. a lot of our admitted students. Right, right. Um, so just so you know, you know, if, if you completely left this section blank, you might get a one on mm -hmm. that scale. Um, a student who is, you know, active in a typical collection of activities without a whole lot of distinction might get a five. Mm -hmm. um, and someone who is extremely, you know, unusual in their commitment or distinction um, would get a nine. But you know, that might be an Olympic athlete or a Tony Award winner or something like that. I have never seen a nine. <laughs> yeah. I'll say, it. I don't know if you have. I have, I have never, not seen a nine. I have never given a nine. I've never been in committee with a nine. I know they exist, but yeah. it's, it's very, very rare. Right. Maybe, you know, one or two a year. Yeah. Maybe. I would say probably 99% of our admitted students mm -hmm. are rated somewhere between a four and a seven on the scale. And, and you heard that correctly, right? <laughs> we admit students who haven't really distinguished themselves uh, with their activities outside of the classroom. It might be, for some students, a really important part of their application, or it might not be very important at all. There might be other parts of the application that are really sort of making the case for the student. Remember, 
it's not part of a formula. While this place is indeed a place to brag a little bit about yourself, I think it's important to remember that this is only in service of a bigger goal, mm -hmm. which is to help us understand who you are, uh, the context that you're coming from, and help us see how you'll engage on our campus. Uh, college students are, are super, super engaged, mm -hmm. uh, yeah. active people outside of the classroom. Um, Many people are gonna tell you that they learned so much from their extracurriculars and their college mm -hmm. activities um, as sort of compared to their courses. Um, they've learned lessons in leadership and collaboration and creativity. And so we want students who are really going to be engaged outside of the classroom here. Uh, you're coming to learn, yes, but you're also coming to live and to engage in a community. Mm -hmm. Yep. And in most cases, this kind of evaluation we're doing, it's not about matching up a specific applicant and their activity with a sort of Yale analog to that activity, right? Mm. There are more than 400 organizations on our campus. There's gonna be true at any place that you're applying. And it's not our job as the admissions office to make sure that every single one of those organizations has members who are interested and have sort of experiences in those areas. Right. So in a nutshell, to answer this question, what are we looking for here? I would describe it as we're looking for students who are seeking to maximize opportunities around them and contribute to their communities in the process. Uh, I'll say that again. We want to find students who are maximizing opportunities and contributing to their communities in the process. Mm -hmm. As we try to evaluate how your activities in high school might demonstrate this, um, we have to incorporate a ton of context, yeah. right? Just the number of activities, the kinds of activities that are available, going to vary dramatically from school to school, from community to community. Um, for some students, their individual opportunities are limited because of maybe family commitments or work commitments. And let's make very clear, those kinds of things can be just as valuable or even more valuable than traditional school-based extracurriculars. I can certainly think of many times when I've been deeply impressed by applicants and what they've done outside of the classroom, but so often that is from the amount of hours that they put into a job mm -hmm. or into taking care of a younger sibling. Um, not just research accomplishments or music accomplishments or other things that they're doing that might be sort of more in a traditional sort of academic lens. Yeah. Yeah, so the types of choices that students have available to them vary dramatically, and even just how much choice you as an individual applicant is going to vary dramatically. Um, when you have choices, though, what we hope is that this activities list reveals something about you. Um, we mm -hmm. hope that it shows how you've chosen to spend your time. Mm -hmm. We hope it reflects your interests, your values, and the kind of contributions that you've made to one or more shared experiences with others. And I think that's a really important point. Um, we are not just thinking about this in terms of your individual achievement and sort of how you've gone along your own individual vector. We are very, very interested in how these kinds of activities have involved your work uh, with groups of other people and your contributions to shared goals. Yeah, which, by the way, is why it makes no sense to spend your time doing things you don't enjoy mm -hmm. only because you think it'll help you get into college. I really dislike when I hear students sort of complaining about, oh, I'm doing this and I'm doing this and I'm doing this because that's how I'm going to get into college. And I was like, no, <laughs> right. you're, you're approaching it completely wrong. Yeah. Um, you need to be doing things that you like doing. If you're not doing things that you like, you're making it harder for us to figure out who you are, right? If your activities list is full of things that don't reflect you honestly and openly, we're going to be scratching our head wondering who is this person? This just doesn't make a whole lot of sense.
And I can promise you that once you're in college, you're not gonna have the time, energy, or desire to pursue activities that you don't wanna do. Mm -hmm. And so it's good <laughs> practice to start saying no now. Yes. Right, yeah, definitely. So we are going to get into some advice about, you know, if you are just starting out in your high school career and thinking about what kinds of activities to do, we, we have a little advice for you to help you find things that you care about. Um, before we get into that, though, we have some advice for seniors who or, or juniors who might be actually putting together their application. Mm -hmm. They have all these hours of activities and experience behind them already. Um, just keep in mind that, you know, a, a busy list of activities doesn't tell us a whole lot and doesn't help you stand out. Right. Whether you've identified one key area of commitment or you have lots of activities, if you've been doing something for a while, your role will probably change over time. Mm -hmm. um, and when you are writing your application, you want to use that space, and it's pretty small, to share that impact and hopefully sort of demonstrate the importance of activity, not just that you did it. I believe the, the actual application asks you to list your activities in order of importance. Mm -hmm. yes, so it's a yeah. good time to reflect on what is actually most important to you. Please don't overthink that. Do not. We do a <laughs> yeah. lot of head scratching sometimes <laughs> right. when we look at the order on this list and we say, you ordered it that way because you think that's what we think is more important. Like, right. There's no 3D chess here, guys. Like, right. Think about the things that you've probably spent the most time doing that have been most fulfilling for you. Please, please, please put those on the top of the list. Even if something seems very impressive, but it's just not been a big, important commitment for you, it can go down the list. We're going to read the whole thing. Don't worry. All right. Let's move on and talk about some sort of just general advice. Yeah, I think this will be most applicable for folks who are kind of starting their high school career. You know, mm -hmm. the options in front of you are a little bit different than those who are in their junior or their senior year of high school. Um, but I'll mention this might also be particularly relevant for folks who are kind of getting a fresh start with their activities because they're headed back to school after the pandemic. So mm, yeah. if you kind of find yourself with a blank slate in terms of what am I doing outside of my coursework, what I want to get involved with, these are our pieces of advice. We've got kind of four tips for you. Tip number one is find your people. Mm. I think this is like the best place to start in terms of what should I be doing with, with my time? I think you're going to find the most fulfilling, most valuable experiences if you kind of start with finding people that you like spending time with. Um, mm -hmm. I think we pretty pretty consistently find that the people with the most compelling activities list are those that have really actively engaged with other people. Often the activity itself is secondary to the experience of sharing time with other people and a shared goal. Um, I think when you find your people, what you do together just becomes much more fulfilling. And it's also going to make it easy to find your people in college, mm -hmm. even if that's in a totally different activity. I also want to be clear that that doesn't mean that we are prioritizing team-based activities mm -hmm. yes. over ones that are solo. Mm -hmm. uh, you can find your people in activities that you are doing alone because they have similar mindsets. They're bringing shared values to the table. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. And you do not need to be constantly competing with your classmates to stand out. Um, we're not going to be lining up activities lists among applicants from the same high school. So instead of racing classmates into leadership positions or trying to do the most service hours or being inducted into every honor society or every academic club, focus on the experience itself, not how it's going to look on a resume. All right. Our next tip is uh, one I really like, which is just embrace small. So what we mean by that is, um, you know, when you do something good and sort of relatively small, 
but then you try to pitch it to us as this world-changing <laughs> endeavor, um, that's when we start to get a little bit skeptical and, and you sort of lose some credibility. Yeah, you don't want the person reading your application to be looking at an item here and say, hmm, would this person have done this thing if it were never going to be on your product <laughs> right. application? Yeah. And I will say my biggest frustration is when someone has done something, you know, interesting, but the specifics about the actual day-to-day -day work of a project are conspicuously absent. Mm -hmm. So the space might be used to just sort of brag and say, oh, I, I you know, founded an organization, it's a registered 501c3, or we raised this amount of money, or we sent supplies to this number of children but I never have any idea what you actually did. Right. And that's what I want to know about it. And that stuff might seem less impressive, but it's actually much more interesting to me because I know that you are a busy high school student who's managing lots of different priorities. I can see that you are in a lot of, uh, you know, rigorous classes and you're doing well there. So I want to know what did you actually do, not just the accomplishments. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think that there um, is a myth out there that you need to like found something, mm -hmm. found an organization or create something totally new um, to stand out. But, you know, a lot of the most compelling and successful projects that we hear about are small, they're local, they're simple. Um, and it's easy to, for us to see why a student had the idea to create something and how they kind of took initiative and got results. Yeah, I will say there are simply plenty of situations where founding something is just pretty meaningless. Um, mm. I will say as, a, as like a part of my regular review process, when I see that, I, I ask myself, okay, is this an organization that only has one member and you know it won't exist after you are no longer a high school student and a college applicant mm -hmm. i also wonder was there really a need for this specific organization in the community like were you listening to what was needed and jumping in or were you just projecting what you wanted to do for your college application on it and also um are you maybe at a brand new high school where Everyone in every club is a <laughs> right. founder, right? Yeah. yeah, we see the word founder a lot. Oh, we yeah. see founder, yeah. co-founder a lot. Um, without more information about what you did and why, that word, that title, it doesn't mean a whole lot to us. I think a lot of students tend to forget that we can see the, the sort of legacies of these clubs and these foundings or co-foundings, mm. especially if we're reading the same school mm -hmm. yeah. year after year. Right. I saw that someone created the physics club and then it didn't exist the next year. And then someone else created the physics club again the <laughs> right. third year. <laughs> right, I, right. I get the picture. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. yeah. And I'll be clear, I would much rather see someone who's committing their energies to a project that already exists and they got inspired by that project and that organization and they want to make a really meaningful contribution to it than someone who created something new just to create something new. Yeah, I, a good rule of thumb for this and also just for so many other parts of the application <laughs> process is, is if it's not important to you, it's not going to be important to us. Yeah. Um, okay, so here's our next tip. I, I think this is probably good advice just for life generally. <laughs> Find something that you can actually fail at. Um, and along with that, something that you can improve at, like mm. get better at. Um, yeah. I think people who treat this part of the application as this rat race to prove themselves to be super successful, um, think that you need to have four years worth of high school just raking in awards where you're first chair in this and you're starter and you're the lead in that. And so you would need to then start your high school experience already super excellent at something that you began in 
kindergarten. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think this approach leads to a lot of really sort of missed opportunities, some real risk aversion and some withdrawal from the activities where you might not be the best at something, um, but being the best at something shouldn't be your priority in terms of deciding how to spend your time. Yeah. Uh, As fellow control freaks ourselves, we understand (laughs) the impulse here. You want to play to your strengths. You want to find the opportunities that demonstrate those strengths. And there are also probably a lot of activities that aren't especially accessible to folks without experience, uh, you know, like varsity athletic teams. Right. Uh, Even if I really wanted to try and fail at a athletics, uh, you know, (laughs) endeavor in my high school, it was not an option for me. Like you could fail at it, but you couldn't try it. (laughs) uh, I couldn't be on the team. There was no space for me. So I understand that, you know, opportunities might be limited here, but the point here is that trying something new, and working to improve at it, that can be so much more fulfilling and illuminating just for yourself than just doing the same old thing over and over again. Yeah. I think the important distinction here is that there is a difference between just participating and growing and contributing. Mm -hmm. The fact that you participated in any given activity doesn't actually tell us that much, but improving at something, the story behind it, contributing to the success or direction of a team is far more telling. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I'll also mention, it's not the case that you should do something that's super novel, um, like win a backwards unicycling competition (laughs) or be a fire juggler um that's cool yeah i mean go if that's what you want to get better at (laughs) go for it um probably get scraped up a bit along the way um but remember novelty alone it's not going to do much for your case all right tip number four uh i think this is our last tip here um don't make any decisions about what you do in high school based on how it's going to look on your college application Mm -hmm. i think this sort of uh you know sums up everything we've already been saying But we get most excited when we see genuine interest and excitement and commitment, um, not when we see, you know, a particular formula or collection of activities. Yeah. And this relates to something that we actually got a a listener email about, um, which is is a good question is about, you know, do you need to have a spike in your application? And this is what's interesting is this is not a term that I had heard before, but it sounds like it's pretty common out there among students who are talking to each other. So Mm -hmm. um, Hannah, can you like what's the concept of a spike? Yeah. So um, the idea is that you could either be well-rounded or you could be pointy mm-hmm. in your activities. So if you're well-rounded, you do a lot of you know different varied things. And if you're pointy or you have a spike, um, then you have one thing that you're really, really, really good at. Yeah. And I, over the years, have gotten tons of questions from students saying, do you prefer well-rounded right. students or <laughs> pointy students? Right. Yeah. And mm-hmm. my, my answer is, Yes, like (laughs) all kinds. Yes. And it's interesting because I know that this actually is a line that um, admissions officers have used over the years where they explain that what they're looking for is a well-rounded student body, mm-hmm. not necessarily well-rounded students. And I, and I can understand where that's coming from, but I think it's much too dismissive of the well-rounded student who yeah. maybe isn't particularly spiky in one area. So I think people hear that and they say, oh, I've got to be spiky so that my spike is going to join all the other spikes <laughs> and then out. together right. <laughs> right. will be this big spiky wheel or something. I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> like whatever you do, like that... That's what you should do. I mean, if you happen to be the kind of person who wants to pursue a lot of varied things, if you're a little bit Mm -hmm. of a jack of all trades, that's great. Do that. And if you have this one, you know, clear passion or spike that, um, you know, you're exceptionally good at, then do that. Mm -hmm. But one is not better than the other. And we see students go in the wrong direction, like both ways, right? Like we Mm. see students who are passionate with a capital P about something, 
but they think that they need to have a bunch of other stuff in their applications. Right. And yeah. so they're just participants and involved, but it doesn't mean much for us. And we also see students who really would love to be pursuing really disparate kind of interests and contributing in a lot of different ways. They say, oh, I've got to have a spike. <laughs> and so I need to abandon these things that I care about to double or triple down on this one thing. And no. You don't no. need to do that at all. Don't just don't make these decisions based on, you know, how it's going to look on your resume or on your college application. Make them based on how you actually want to be spending your time. Yes, there is a whole spectrum of activity from the student who does it all, the student who does one thing. Mm -hmm. And when you get to college, we're not going to expect the student who does one thing to suddenly become a jack of all trades. Mm -hmm. And we're not going to expect the student who loves doing it all to suddenly focus in on their extracurricular activities in college. You're eventually gonna have to select a major or majors. You're not gonna have to focus down your activities to one. Mm -hmm. mm, yeah. yeah. All right, well, we have covered a lot here. Um, we hope that it's calmed some nerves a bit. Again, we wanted to, to talk about this because we know that people can get really, really worked up about this. We know the pandemic has thrown a monkey wrench into a lot of plans, and so people might be especially nervous about sort of how we're gonna review these things. Always remember, your application is gonna be reviewed by a real person who's trying to understand another real person not a collection of accomplishments. Some applicants really stand out in their extracurricular activities, you know, if they have national and global level accomplishments, but many, many more stand out for the little things that they just do every day and the energy and commitment they brought to those activities. And plenty of students stand out in their process for something that has nothing to do with their extracurricular activities. We like to say that students who are admitted to Yale are always missed in their communities when they leave because they've made some sort of an impact. That's what you should aspire to in your activities. I'll say it one more time. Sorry, Michael Pollan. <laughs> Be active at the level that's right for you, doing what you like. Yep. Enjoy. Yeah, enjoy. Mm -hmm. Reed, Have fun. We enjoyed having you on the podcast today. Thanks for coming back. It was great to be here. Thanks to our friend and colleague, Jill, who's both our sound engineer and a great admissions officer. Reed, we're going to use your office again sometime, so thanks in advance. <laughs> Count on it. <laughs> thanks to uh, former admissions officer, Andrew Brick Johnson, who composes our music. You should check him out at andrewbrickjohnson.com. If you have comments or an idea for an episode, drop us a line at yaleadmissionspodcast at gmail.com. And finally, remember that the views expressed in this podcast are ours and don't necessarily represent those of Yale University. Thanks for listening. <laughs>